Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Hello. Today is Thursday, May the 5th. This is the Illuminated Word, and I'm David McLean. Our reading today is going to come from Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 22. It reads, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. And he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They replied, No, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So he asked them, Then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, The baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. There was a group of Jews that was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, Well, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus, to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And he said, after that, I must go to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. So we're picking up with Paul's third missionary journey and him stopping at Ephesus, which was the place he stayed the longest out of all of his travels. Yesterday, Devin walked us through Apollos' teaching and and his correction by uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And then we have Paul, who's coming into contact with uh, these 12 men who also were only familiar with the baptism of John. Uh, Very likely that these were taught by Apollos uh, as well. And so... Our reading first starts with with him correcting them, teaching them correctly Jesus' baptism, and then how quickly 
they, they believe and they accept that and are baptized uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in this section, as we'll see here in a minute, the name of Jesus is very important that they were baptized in, in John, in John by, by John's baptism, but they had to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, you've got a uh, report of Paul's work. Uh, it, this it, Ephesus is kind of short, especially when compared to the details of his work in Philippi, which was a much shorter stay. Um, of course, it's interesting, too, that the report of the work at Philippi uh, there's a lot of we in there. We did this, we did that, because Luke was present as an eyewitness. Um, but what he does here in Ephesus, yeah, there's no we. So Luke is probably telling a second-hand account, maybe even a third-hand account. Uh, but you got, again, Apollos preaches in Ephesus. We've got that scene there where he is uh, taught um, and so that he can correctly teach future converts. And then you got Paul teaching and winning the uh, the twelve men to Christ, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. And then you got Paul doing what Paul does best. He goes to work in the synagogue, and so he goes first to the Jews, which is true to his pattern. And Paul teaches in the synagogue at Ephesus for three months. And then, as it always seems to do with Paul, opposition to uh, his work there becomes so intense. Um, that some not only refuse to believe, but they also start uh, publicly maligning, uh, you know, speaking out against uh, the way. The way being, obviously, the gospel of Jesus. And so this, this sort of public, uh, if not formal, opposition from the synagogue leaders, that was Paul's signal to find another site to use for his meetings. And so he led the disciples that he had converted to this hall of Tyrannus. Um, now, whether Tyrannus was a teacher whose name was attached to the building or he was the landlord who kind of rented it out to them. We don't know. But he moves to the Hall of Tyrannus. And the significant thing about that two-year period, two years he does this. That's insane to me. But two years is that Paul's ministry was so extensive, both, both personally and, and through his uh, converts, his pupils, that all of the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. It's also interesting that it's very likely the seven churches of Revelation uh, found in chapters 2 and 3 were likely founded during this period. Then you get to the extraordinary miracles, the unusual miracles, as my translation that I read said, uh, but the unusual, the extraordinary miracles that Paul ends up doing. They're so impressive, these mighty acts, uh, that even these Jewish exorcists would invoke the name of Jesus in their incantations and, and ceremonies. You know, you think about uh, what is the number 13, uh, black cats, breaking mirrors, walking under ladders. Uh, what do all those things have in common? Well, there's things that you probably actively avoid. If you're part of the 25% of people in the U.S. who consider themselves superstitious. Uh, superstition also explains why many buildings don't have a, a 13th floor. Uh, some airlines, such as Air France, uh, doesn't have a 13th row. Uh, because uh, even in um, such countries as Italy and Brazil, they don't even have a 17th row in some of the airlines because typically 17 is an unlucky number. <laughs> uh, now, I think it's bad to believe in superstition. That's a joke. Hopefully you're laughing at that. But in contrast to superstition, biblical faith is grounded in God's Word. It's a historical faith. It's based on what God has done and what He has revealed throughout time it's God's revelation to be interpreted as objectively as it can be. And so the Bible 
it actually can be used superstitiously by ignoring the intent of a verse or a miracle and making it apply to whatever you want it to apply to. Um, you know, sometimes we think that crosses can be superstitious. Uh, it drives away demons. It keeps out evil spirits. Of course, if you're a movie buff like I am, crosses are also supposed to drive away vampires. I've never had to encounter one of those. Uh, holy water repels demons. And on and on and on. But here you have these, these superstitious Jews who come in with their incantations, with their magic. And they're trying to drive out demons in the name of Jesus. And God does extraordinary miracles through Paul to counter this, this magic, this incantation. Uh, you know, Ephesus was a, a, a city of magic, of incantation, of pagan worship. Um, and so God is behind these unusual miracles, uh, to even, even to the point to where uh, aprons or handkerchiefs that just touched Paul's skin, God was allowing those to heal people from sickness. The only time this happens, the only time uh, handkerchiefs and things that just touch the skin of an apostle are used to heal other people. So, so God is doing some incredible things through some unusual, some um, spectacular miracles to show that not only to give Paul credentials, but also to show that the, the way the way that was being maligned uh, publicly was better than any superstition, any mirror, any incantations or magic that anybody else could do. And so Paul's ability to work these miracles were part of his credentials as an apostle. Um, it was to show the people who Paul was and the powers. As a matter of fact, these men who come through and they're trying to cast out demons, they say, uh, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So they're not even doing it in the name of Jesus per se. They're doing it in the name of Jesus and trying to tag on also you know, the one who Paul preaches about. They're actually trying to use Paul's name as well. And so they're out there throwing Jesus' name around. In the name of Jesus, we cast these demons out. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it wouldn't. But then there was this, and this is supposed to be a comical scene, I believe. This is supposed to be something that makes us kind of chuckle at this idea. You know, picture it in your head. That they come to this man who was uh, possessed, and they say, In the name of Jesus, we, we command you to come out. And, and so this, the seven sons are doing this. And then they have, this evil spirit replies, <laughs> I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but I don't know you. Who are you? you know, they're trying to use the name of Jesus to do some things, and, the, and even the demon acknowledges, I know Jesus and I know Paul. You know, I know who those two are. I know the power that they have, but you? I don't know you. You can throw around the name of Jesus all you want to, but that doesn't mean anything. It says, And the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. And so they could throw the name of Jesus around all they wanted to. But they were not followers. We believe that the name of Jesus is powerful. We believe that the name of Jesus changes things. The message of Jesus changes things. That we proclaim at the end of our prayers, in the name of Jesus we pray, Amen. But not for everybody. You know, if we're not a follower, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then how can the name of Jesus mean anything to you if you're not truly following him? 
this the scene plays out and, and it says that what happens after that, uh, the news spreads quickly and people start finding out. And this solemn fear, not like a terrified scare for their lives, but a reverence uh, descends on the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus, again, here we have the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. So you start in this chapter with the, the men who need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You have the men who try to cast out demons but fail in the name of Jesus because they're not followers. And then we come to, after that, the name of Jesus was greatly honored because of what had happened uh, with the, the spirit and what had happened, or this, this um, possessed man. And what was happening with the healings through Paul and just the things that were touching Paul's skin. And it says that many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. That's a major thing. That they became so, that the name of Jesus was so honored that they felt they, they felt they needed to confess their sins. So they're confessing their sinful practices. And it, and it says that some of them were coming out and the, the, the ones who were practicing sorcery, they're bringing their books out and they're burning them. And the value of the books, and the Greek says 50,000 pieces of silver. Which a piece of silver is with the equivalent of a day's wages. So in the translation I read, it, it says several million dollars. It was very, very valuable what they were giving up. They were burning them. And it says, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. We cannot ever forget that the, the Jesus that we say we follow is powerful. The name of Jesus is powerful. The message that we carry with us is powerful. And it can change lives. It can change families. It can change communities. It can change cultures. We have to believe that as the followers. And then we can't abuse that name. And we can't use it for selfish gain. But that we use it to bring people to Jesus, to point them to Christ. To show them how powerful and loving He is. And how much they are loved by an, a merciful and gracious God. Thank you for listening, not just today, but each time you listen to the Illuminated Word. Our hope is that this podcast encourages you each time. Maybe you learned something new you didn't know before, but that it would encourage you to continue living your faith as you move uh, throughout your day. And of course, our prayer is also that you would see opportunities that God has opened for you each day to be a blessing to those around you in some form or fashion. And until next time you listen to the Illuminated Word, have a blessed day.